0: By their fruits, you shall know them.
1: You shall know though.
0: welcome to buy their fruits my name's is bryant this is my co-host jeremy how are you today brother
1: i'm doing good man pulled a little super dad move today and had to get my son ready so i'm sorry sorry for the late start but we're here with jim we're very glad to have you on man the hollow earth is a it's a special topic and uh i think the first time that i ever saw you was with uh, the fall brothers
2: yeah yep. back in uh, the day now the fall brothers uh produce at Uh, first DVD and I think that really when when it was promoted by Skywatch it became something that even reached mainstream Christianity I never thought I was going to live to see today when this would actually finally be taught biblically soundly um, with all of the crazy stuff that that comes with it and yet there they did it they did an excellent job of it
1: yeah it's almost as taboo as like the flat earth you know what I mean like I mean, not, not to say that they're on the same level, but, you know, it's it's in the same taboo category. And when you start breaking down the hollow earth, people look at you phony.
2: Well, they used to, but I think now they're realizing, you know, I know when I present it anyway, they, wow, that makes so much sense. I never realized that, you know, it's, I've have enough scriptural background to take it out. It's not just mere speculation. This is sound doctrine spoken by Jesus himself. And when you Go back to the original language, you understand the uh, context that the dialogue is being spoken to and in they're using language that means nothing to us today because we don't wear, uh, you know, we don't wear togas like they did back in the old days. And so some terms, cultural terms that are being used to describe the hollow earth just go over everybody's head because we didn't live there at 2000 years ago in a language that now is, has changed as much as King James to, you know, English has and uh, cultures and, and idioms that they speak go over our head. We don't catch the full richness of it. And it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to understand it. If you know the right reference books, you get a customs and manners books. There's several very good ones uh, published out there. Um, You read these books and it gives you all the cultural backgrounds, the idioms, the the language, the expressions and everything. And it it brings it as alive as being able to go back to the original languages and seeing what it is. And fortunately, I was trained in that kind of ability to do that. And uh, that's why I can dig deep and, and find a lot of interesting things that are kind of encrypted in a sense that when technology would be coming to its fullness like it is now, we understand some of the Hebrew words that didn't make a lot of sense back then, but now it makes all sense in the world. Um, they're describing things that were the, even the writers didn't know about. And that's where, you know, you have the Hebrew languages, so the, probably the most sophisticated language that exists on this planet. And unfortunately, English is about the dumbest language on this planet. So, <laughs> yep, yep. so try to translate something that is so well-defined in the Hebrew by English. We use generalized words that really don't bring things alive so if we go back to the original language we see that oh my gosh look at there's so much more here um and nowadays like daniel was told to shut up and seal up the meanings and the thing the visions that he's seen because nobody's going to understand this until the time of the end when knowledge increases and people uh walk to and fro or travel to and fro and that to and fro i like the fall brothers the way they put the spin on that that means a whole lot of different things than just hopping on a plane and going somewhere. Um, and they did—they really did a good job on that Hollow Earth thing. It really helped to make this almost become a mainstream thing. It's—it's it's being taken more and more out of the uh, crazy wacky doodle uh, department and put into oh wow, this really is real. And uh, and it was once. I mean, you know, I—I I was probably one of the first to write about or describe the Hollow Earth. And others that were in research with me at the time kind of even looked at me like, what? Uh, That's kind of weird. Now everybody has kind of hopped on board and seen that the scriptures are clearly, plainly telling us that that's that's the cosmology of this earth. And probably most planets formations are the same way. And... uh, And if anybody thinks back to, uh, you know, their childhood,
0: you know, we're all taken to like Mammoth Cave and we walk through some, you know what I mean? And uh, we realize that there's a roped off area that goes much, much farther than we're ever taken and guided. And, uh, you know, (laughs) certain states, you know, you can spend some time in the woods. And I found many cave entrances that uh, that didn't seem to end, you know, and I, I went pretty far down, you know, as far as I could. So. Yeah, I would say that there's uh, even some physical evidence people can see or think back to in their everyday lives that would confirm uh, that as well.
2: Well, I know in uh, in Arizona, if you're going through the Grand Canyon, you get up to a certain point near Flagstaff, I think it is, um, or headed towards that in that direction. And uh, there's waking hot guards there that won't let you go any further because there's a cavern there that has uh oh, let's see it's it's got i don't know how many giant like mummies in tombs you know encased case like in the rocks and uh they're like seven to nine feet tall wow. artifacts on the ground that are almost like one is in a lotus position and others uh it it has almost like I'm, i want to say uh artifacts representing almost every major belief system and religion you know all over the world um there's more questions than there are answers to all of this but um from that is almost like a central hub and then there's cavernous systems that go all in all directions everywhere um we don't know too wow. much it has been restricted we can't get there it's like area 51 or you know in the other area s2 i um, you know nobody can get there and so nobody knows exactly what is going on but it's funny that you know it's there and a lot of the a lot of the foots base areas of where there's caves um you're not allowed to go into my gosh there's right a a law made that that um if you have a cave on your property you do not own that cave the government has rights over that to supersede overrule. So you're not even allowed to explore or travel into your own caves. Why? Well, because there's a particular scripture in Proverbs that describes a dendritic pattern of uh, caves, cavernous systems, all around the surface that actually is used to protect the inner earth. So I guess, you know, whether you want to look at it as an escape route or entrance points, I don't really know. But the Bible clearly tells us that this dendritic pattern of cave systems exists from our surface into many of them leading into the hollow earth. So uh, there's a direct connection. I think that's where people see the Yetis or the Bigfoot, you know, escape and run into caves all the time, uh, or even seen some going through a portal. I mean, you know, this is all stuff that sounds crazy, when you hear it from an eyewitness, just as crazy as uh, seeing a UFO, and yet so many have seen consistent patterns, experiences, it can't be denied. It has to be investigated. And you and I and, and others have taken it upon ourselves to go and check it out, to see for ourselves, you know, whether these things are as they say. And you know what? They are. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. I was listening to somebody
0: recently that was saying, like, do you know how many coincidences it takes on the same topic before it's, you know, mathematically impossible to be a coincidence? And, you know, I think somebody was like, you know, I don't know, a million? They're like five. It (laughs) takes five. So, you know, I think that would just kind of come. Like you said, it may sound crazy if if you you hear that for the first time, but, you know, you start looking at, uh, what stops alien abduction, you know, what stops the name of Jesus alone, you know, and it's way too, it's way more than five. I, I promise it's way too many to be a coincidence. You know, we're in the, the thousands, 10,000s. Thousands. I know Jeremy's done, uh, a little research in that area as well. I don't know if you know a number, but I promise it's more than five.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely more than five. Well, and what amazes me is that people want to stay ignorant. They don't want to know that these kind of things exist. It disrupts their whole... I, you know, I find that the people that seem to be comfortable in this world and see no problems going on or anything, they're the ones that um, are tone deaf. Their eyes are blind, their ears are plugged up, and they don't see or even imagine any of these things are possible. I, I, I find it funny to also that that we uh, rely upon our scientific experts to tell us that the earth is solid with a core and mantle and all this stuff. But these are the same people that said we evolved from a monkey. Yeah, right. You know, you know if you realize that God created us and aliens didn't create us. I always ask the ancient alien uh, religious beliefs. I said, OK, well, if the aliens created you, who created the aliens? Right. One yeah. yeah. Who created them? Still waiting on that answer, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're still waiting on that one.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know, what uh, what originally started uh, your research into this area? I may know some of these things, but uh, the listeners don't. So, uh, you know, if we want to uh, just do a little background on, on, you know, you could even uh, how you first got into the Word and then what led you, you know, to this particular area of research in the Word. I was,
2: uh, this was in 19 uh 1997 i believe and i had already been working a year on my book late great uh, <laughs> no no the i late great planet oh no, i didn't author that one uh, <laughs> down science fiction and uh i had heard about the hollow earth but i laughed and thought it was you know the silliest kicked in the head idea that you know could ever pop up so i just kind of passed it off um my son who's now 40 actually 40, 41. Um, when he was 12 years old, he come up to me. And he says, Dad, can we do a study together? He was fascinated on uh, my computer program. I had even back then that, you know, I could go back to original language I could do. Actually, uh, uh, it had about 80 different reference materials on the CD disc. And through my computer click, and I used to do it old fashioned way by looking up in books. Now I had it all on a computer. And all I had to do is click a mouse and uh, paste on my research. But I could go back and find um, all kinds of information. So I was working on that and I was working on my book. Um, and it was 1997. And my son come up to me and says, Dad, can we do a Bible study together with on a computer like you do with your book? I said, Sure, son. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking 12 years old. His hormones are ranging. What a perfect time to get him into the word, you know? Um, so then, right. he said, can we do one on hell? I'm going oh wait what <laughs> Yeah, you want to do one on hell oh okay so I will do one on hell yeah so I started looking all in all the scriptures on hell and oh my gosh, just because somebody else had planted a seed that told that was trying to claim that the earth might be hollow it got that little seed got me to my eyes open and I'm looking I'm going, oh my gosh when I go back to the original language. The Bible's telling me the earth is hollow. Oh, no, this really, Lord? And I, so I prayed, and it, then the Lord took me to um, where he was describing in Luke, where he was describing uh, Lazarus and the rich man. And Lazarus had died and went to Abraham's bosom. Well, I read some commentaries, and it was that was just showing the the, the passion and the faith that, that Abraham had for um or Lazarus. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's not. That's so way off. And yet this is, you know, major theologian that, you know, has credibility. And and so, right. looking at it just on a surface, one could un- understand maybe that that's what it was talking about. So, bosom, okay. Manners and customs. I go to my book on bosom. Oh, that when they, wore, when they wore a toga, they would tie it off at the waist with a sash. A rope and the upper forepart was like a pocket when they go into market, they would use it as a shopping bag and stuff things in their pocket, okay their bosom. And when a shepherd was out in the field, and if a lamb kept straying away, um, you know, they're vulnerable to uh, predators, so they would actually break the leg of a lamb and stick them in their bosom. And this wow. And and carry them around until, you know, keeping them safe. I mean, it was better a broken leg than to be a a meal in the belly of a a wolf or a bear or something. So this was common knowledge back in the day. So bosom meant this pocket inside of something. So when he went to Abraham's bosom, he went inside a pocket in the earth, in the upper chamber. And then Jesus clearly says that there's a chasm between the upper and the lower level. And there's even levels down in hell, Tartarus right. being uh, the lowest, and, and up above is uh, Sheol. So you have different levels, and the rich man was in hell. He could see across the chasm and talk to everybody, but they couldn't cross. And that's where, um, you know, in the dialogue there that, you know, was being explained that, you know, that we can't come to see you, you can't come to see us, but we can we can talk. But you got your reward, and he's got his reward now well, let me come back and tell them, uh, you know, then they'll believe me. He says they have the prophets and they have my word. If they believe, if they don't believe that, even if one come back from the dead, they're not going to believe the truth. So he pretty much told him right there, you know, I'm not going to let anything like that happen. You're, you've sealed your fate and this is where you are. Um, now, the chasm, that is separates the upper chamber from the lower chamber it's interesting because there's other scriptures that refer keep referring back to this inner earth concept and the chasm is described in job as dangling doors or doors that are open and close and i'm wondering wow where you know where could that be and I'm I'm praying to ask the Lord. There's some kind of connection here, Lord, and somehow I think it's connected to the Devil's Triangle, and, the, and uh, the Devil's Sea, right opposite from it. And can you show me where where is this? And he showed me specific scriptures in the Book of Job from from Job 24 right down to 42. Uh, the whole thing is totally misunderstood by most people because they don't understand what they're looking at they think they're looking at um symbology and di- dialogue uh you know like leviathan being you know beanie and cecil serpent or uh, a plesiosaur or a hippo and all kinds of other crazy an alligator and all kinds of other crazy ideas in the 41st chapter it says that uh Leviathan is the children, uh, he's the father of the children of pride. Now, what, whose definition is that? Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) That's the enemy there.
2: Yeah, it's Satan. Yeah. So I'm going
0: to,
2: sorry. I was just going to say, and it's used as a collective noun, which means the entire embodiment of rebels. Satan sometimes is used in a first person singular, meaning, you know, uh, the name of uh, the deceiver, Satan. Um, and other times it means the entire body, collectively, of rebels. So this is a rebel alliance that we're looking at, both human and non-human entities that are conspiring against God. And so when we see that, we look all the way back from the 24th chapter all the way through. That's what we're looking at. We're not looking at, you know, fairy tales or uh, other disconnected things. This is all telling us one story of a cosmology, uh, both of heaven and earth and inside the earth, and how it really is. So, by looking at it in that perspective, I found many scriptures I had to actually, um, uh, in my museum, I had to update and devote an entire section or wall just on presenting all the evidence uh, that was in the book of Job, because it pretty much tells an entire story of what's going on in the 20th century now, why people are gathering at the Antarctic, why, um, you know, especially during the Obama administration, we had all kinds of uh, dignitaries from all over the world, going to the Antarctic, and they weren't going to feed penguins. They were going to see what's <laughs> on it that's affecting us right now, here today. And it had uh, a direct connection with uh, New Schwabenland, the Nazi expedition. Um, gosh, it's, I found scriptures that even just dis- described that ones that looked like the ones that lived inside the Earth would uh, accidentally land in this area and make a connection. And this is, of course, what happened at the end of World War II. So, I mean, it's filled with a lot of stuff, but it does take diligence. Uh, it takes time to dig in the Word and, and be patient and, and prayerful about a study and letting God lead and guide you. If you know the right resource and reference materials, to, you don't need a PhD to do this. You can do it on your own. And uh, just knowing what resources to use and, and what to look for. And uh, it's incredible. Um there's so much evidence, it's not even a debatable topic anymore. This is just sound doctrine, what the Bible teaches, and it gives us a clear understanding in Revelation 9. Something's coming from inside the earth, outside of the earth, this locust invasion. Well, what is it? You know, we have the technology to create uh, you know, locusts with human heads and, and whatnot. I mean, I, nothing surprises me anymore. However, if we look at seven points of reference, and let the Bible interpret itself by itself. It's telling us a totally different story than just a scorpion looking uh, locust uh, with human head and long hair and, and all that stuff. It's giving us seven different reference points where the Bible defines what is a scorpion's tail, it defines what is a, a woman's hair, what is um, the human face, what is the, uh, the locust, the whole purpose of the locust. It gives us a complete different description of. Of something entirely different but there's still it's an enemy that's coming from inside the earth outside of the earth to take over the surface of the earth and deceive the surface of the earth so it's kind of important somehow knowing what's inside the earth is very important to understanding the the many prophecies about the end times because something is coming from inside to outside to mess up this whole world not coming from outer space from here coming from inside, outside, you have the myths of the Anakim, uh, the Anaki Anunnaki, that's what the, uh, the I, what I call the ancient alien religion believers believe in the Anunnaki. And they believe, well, you know, they came from the stars, but now they live underground. Yeah, the Bible tells me that there was fallen angels that came from heaven and now they're placed uh, in the ground, a place called hell. Right. So, gee, could there's a line up there. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's something there. Well, of course there is. And they, these entities that are in there um, fit every description to being something very deceptive and very evil and have their own agenda. Um, you know, our, our whole sense of space-time is what keeps us messed up from understanding the realities of hollow earth and how it connects to Bible prophecy. Because... We think linear, but God in the third heaven is outside of time. He ever sees everything from the beginning to the end. It's already happened, as far as He knows. That's why um, He knows the beginning from the end because it's already done. We, li- we living in time, we can't even. Ha- it's hard to wrap our minds around that. But when we're looking at anything in heaven, we can't think linear. We got to think outside of that, and it's hard for us to do because we're stuck in it. It's like we got to look at it as. Uh, you know, we're standing on a corner watching a parade go by. We can see what has already went by. We can see what's in front of us. And we can kind of anticipate what might be coming ahead of us, where God would be like in a helicopter. And he sees the beginning from the end and everything else in between. He can put himself anywhere at any time, any place that he wants to. That's why he's all knowing, all powerful and all uh, can, you know, all present. Um,
1: Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, it's not just the Bible, like you said, you brought up the Anunnaki, but they almost every ancient culture around the world back then had a similar story <clears throat> to the biblical narrative. You know, just like Noah, every ancient culture has pretty much, a, you know, their type of story of the events that happened on Noah's Ark and the world flooding and, and Nephilim, um, you know even even to the modern day where you get into the nazis and their ideology and like you said them going down to antarctica and they're nobody like if you're in school they don't teach you the belief system of why they even did that they don't they don't tell you the ideology behind them going to antarctica or their occultic motives you know so can you break that down for us just a little bit like what the nazis believed in
2: well you know this is what's so crazy because like you said they don't you know what motivated people to do different things that's kind of important because it's motivated them they they took a thought they put it into action and went out to seek something um you know i i wrote in my book and and this was clearly recorded in history that the um smithsonian institute was originally set up to to bring and gather all the findings that they were going to have from Smythe's um expedition to the antarctic because they believed the earth was hollow they derived it from uh, from the scriptures and it was pretty much common knowledge back then that there, somehow the earth was hollow and they had a common belief in that. Um, so even our government believed it and, and financed and funded an expedition to the Antarctic. And uh, of course it kind of failed, but they did realize, they did know that something biblical was accurate there in that reference. But i think in the expedition he got stuck in the ice and said okay this is this as far as we're going the heck with it we're going to go i I think they went up to tahiti or some area there and discovered something else that was just as important and rich to the government so they were happy and he he was happy and everybody was happy except for the people that were wanting to know more about the hollow earth Uh, i think from that time on it started to be covered up and laughed at and, and made foolish because They knew something was there, but they couldn't exactly get to it back in that day. Now, the Nazis believed in Helena Blavatsky's uh, books. Uh, Helena Blavatsky was a a Russian uh, noble person, I would say probably a genius. Uh, She was very eclectic. She uh, spoke several different languages. She was really intrigued by... um, legends and myths about a hollow earth so she actually went on expeditions herself and and went and talked to some of the Buddhist priests in the Himalayas where they clearly had claimed to have regular contact with entities that existed in the hollow earth so instead of just scoffing at it she took it seriously and did further investigations and everything and wrote a huge two volume book called secret doctrine now. It, it's anthropomorphous and cosmo something, or <laughs> I forget now. Um, and both of these volumes, they were so huge. What I did back in a day when people still went to libraries and everything and read, and this is before the computer kind of and smartphones took over, um, I would go in and I would borrow the book, drink expensive coffee, and read everything and take notes that I needed and photograph some of the pages for my reference material. But I read most of, I mean, it's the biggest volumes, both of them, maybe thick books this big, are the most psycho babbling cosmology you could ever, I mean, it, it's like, after reading it, I had to go take a shower or something in God's <laughs> just to get right again, you right. know. Right. Yeah, babbling very stuff. occultic. But, but it all started to make sense from a different perspective. And um, the Nazis, that was their Bible. They ran, I mean, an occult-based government that was based on the secret doctrine. Um, they followed that like, like Christians would follow a Bible. And so they were motivated by all the different myths and legends and everything. So they knew something existed. First, they went up to um, uh, Greenland. Then they went to the Himalaya Mountains, uh, talked to the monks and everything there. Then they went to the Antarctic. When they went to the Antarctic, they discovered something, and it was prophetically. uh, They had their own prophecies that this encounter would happen, but we had in the Bible our own prophecies that this would happen, that there would be an encounter, and they would accidentally light into the hollow earth. And this was the uh, the expedition to the Schwabenland done in 1939, where they discovered an opening. Admiral Donuts at the end of the war said that there was a, a readout, of, you know, a backup location where they were going to be safely, many of them were going to be safely tucked away from the end of the war. They wouldn't be captured, they wouldn't be found, they would seem to just disappear. Well, that was concluded about 200,000 women from the Lebensborn program of producing the super race of the Aryans. Uh, they suddenly disappeared. Uh, many of the top Nazis had disappeared. And uh, this was part of the base 211 rumors, you know, that the Nazis had a a base there and a tunnel or cave that led into a hollow earth. And there they made an alliance with the residents there. Now, the residents, it's even controversial. Um, I had in my museum, I had displayed the pre-flood giants that were 30 feet, as tall as 30 feet. And then the post-flood giants, which were only like six to nine feet, and then a normal-sized human at six foot. Um, and that was a stretch because the average women back in that day was probably only like 5'3". But I show how the different myths and legends of the Nephilim, you hear about the Nephilim, but you never hear about the Gabor. Right. And I just wondered about that. Why don't? Why don't, aren't people talking about the Gabor? Um Dr. Mike Heiser is a good friend of mine, and although he didn't agree with my conclusion necessarily, but he did agree with the language that it could say what I was trying to, what I thought it was saying, and he did uh, admit to me that I, you know, it could, it could be that way, Jim. But I don't think so. But, but that's okay. I, I man, I, I love my friendship with, uh, with. Uh, i'm having a senior moment with (laughs) dr mike heiser i haven't talked to him in gosh years but um back when i was writing my book i had a good friendship with him and uh i always used him for the ancient hebrew he's probably one of the most top experts in the world on that and uh well he's considered one of the top three or five i think it is and uh and so he always helped me out on some of the translations and and i always kid him because he would he i would call it billy goat uh, religion because he'd go well you're right jim but and then he would tell me how he didn't necessarily agree with some uh-huh. of my conclusions <laughs> but that was okay um i think we see a lot of the same thing together now but uh ever since i first met him in roswell and i think it was 2004 or three, at the first uh, ancient days conference in roswell new mexico uh There was about seven of us and we all hit it off together it was really good at that time there was probably only 12 people in the world that knew or understood the genesis 6 what i call paradigm of what really went on and what happened and uh, you know we were all patting each other on the back wow i'm not i'm not crazy you know you believe this too you god showed you this god showed you that that's great so uh from that core you know we've we've grown and of course now we see it almost going mainstream and i think it surprised all of us i we Thought we were in a a little corner of obscurity that was going to always remain that way. But it's not. I guess, you know, these are important things that are finally coming out and the public is accepting the realities. Uh, I know one person that could never, he denied a global conspiracy. And I said, how in the heck do you think all of these things and events could happen that's in the world today, haphazardly or happenstance? This was all calculated. This was all patiently put into us programmed probably why they call tv programming programming uh it it has been prepared for decades even centuries to come to this conclusion that we're now faced with in the world that we're faced with today so it had to be by a conspiracy it actually is in revelation 17 12 it says that there are 10 people who are Receive no powers as kings, but will have the power as kings, and will make a pact with the beast. Um, that tells you right there. You know, I I think it's funny that the United Nations, if you follow the money trail, the supporters of the United Nations are the same people that supported Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, what are they promoting? They're promoting a global, universal, one-world religion, one-world uh, economy, and one-world. Um, political structure. That's what they're promoting. And they got the, the whole world carved out in 10 different sections. Wow, 10. That keeps popping up. Um, you know, you look at the Georgia Guidestones down in Georgia, and uh, you have 10 different languages with 10 different uh, satanic, what I call 10 different steps of development or their hopes and desires or their plan. Uh, agenda 21 of how yep. they're going to reduce the population to 500 million that means six and a half billion of us have to die well yeah and they're working on it and doing a pretty good job with the pandemic and and a lot of other cockamamie crazy things monsanto and uh, chemtrails you've got you name it and there's many ways that we can get wasted uh by by the millions um you know we're here it's like looking at a map and it's like like here here you are and here's the end and the second coming we're like at 11 and uh, you know, 11:45. We're we're almost right there. Um, how much closer can we get? You know, it's it's crazy. But yet, one of the pivotal things is understanding that the Earth is hollow, that it has two chambers, and it's separated by a chasm. This chasm, by the way, ends up being on the 33.3 degree latitude line. Figures. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so in a basically say 33 is the highest level that a normal human being could attain. Anything above and beyond that is given to them by supernatural methods and means. Yeah, we know who that supernatural method and means are. And it is God telling us some of the things that we have no business really knowing. We can't even control our time here in, in the here and now, let alone going and, and traveling in the past or the future or up or down uh surface or inner earth and yet all of these things are a reality it's a truth uh secret space program heck yeah don't even want to get into that today because i don't know i don't know how your audience is on some of this stuff but some of it sounds so wacko yet yeah, it, it is very true dan Dale hasn't written me back yet <laughs> dan, you know i got a chance to meet stan his books the vindicator rolls when i when the lord was first telling me my stuff and i uh read stan dale's book it was it was thrilling and exciting because I had come to the same conclusions from a biblical perspective more than he actually lived. I mean, he was part of Pine Gap. So, you know, he's been privy to a lot of understandings and yeah. brave enough to speak out, too. And uh, I got a chance to meet him. And it was, you know, he's sharp, man. He's he's right on the ball with his stuff. He based off David Spangler. I don't know if you know who that is, but yes. No, yeah, man. David
1: Spangler from the uh, United Nations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He made that famous quote that nobody shall n- enter the new age without taking a luciferian
2: initiation. Well, and he made another one. He says that uh, it, because of the negative vibrations, it may be necessary to take some and remove them off the, off the planet to prevent it from being destroyed, where they can go to another dimension where they'll be much happier. <laughs> Final Wild. S- Final solution sci-fi style, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I find
1: interesting, too, is that, uh, like you said, we've been programmed into kind of, like, seeing these things without actually having to believe in these things so that when they're revealed to us, it's like it's not so much of a shocker, right? Yeah. So you, you look at the last, um, what was it, King Kong movie they just made?
2: Oh, And man. they go to...
1: Oh, yes. It was absolutely 100% hollow earth propaganda. It was, like, it was crazy, you know, and it was it was cool to see, but... For people who have no idea what the Hollow Earth is, it's just a movie to them. But for us, we're like, see, they're trying to show you. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> well, they had the physics yep. and everything, just so perfect, you know, with the transition and everything of, of gravity and, and everything and how it plays. Man, it was like, wow, that's a wake up call, man. They're trying to get us used to that. They're trying to get us used to multi dimensional things, seems to be the most uh you can't turn on any kind of marvel or uh dc uh situations Uh, you know they're all filled with disney's filled with it i mean and and that's just disney is the more satanic satanic uh versions but they've just so much uh i'm pretty soon i'm sure i'm going to go to the the travel channel and they're going to stay up multi-dimensional garbage on that too but it's uh you know there's an element of truth to it i mean you can't just come out with a lie without having an element of truth that can make it believable so right you know elements of the mandela effect are are true and uh, there's little nuggets of of truth in a lot of this stuff but you got to weed it out from all the crap that's there too though
1: and there's a lot of discernment
0: yeah and a lot of people try to make religions out of one small facet of these things you know they really hone in and and become obsessed and overwhelmed by some of those things and yeah it sure gives them some ammunition when we hit them with some truth and they can just say oh you watch too many movies i saw the new king kong too you know so well
2: you know this is why i really was excited about coming on your show and other shows that i think sometimes we get as you know just as investigators or researchers we get so caught up in the intrigue of these hidden mysteries that we're finding that we end up focusing too much on that and not bringing it back to a biblical world point, viewpoint. That, hey, this is just this is just bait to catch fish. Don't get, you know, it's like you're going into a forest, you look at this tree, but your job is to, there's people lost in this forest and you got to seek them out and find them. We get so caught up sometime in the tree, wow, we start looking at the cellular structure and getting deeper into that. It's like, dude, wake up. that. I, I wanted you to see that there's a forest here. I didn't want you to fall in love with it and start investigating just it. You're supposed to get out there and find the people that are lost. We
0: don't them? lose the Great Commission. Yeah, exactly. That's,
2: that's why I really appreciate being on programs like yours because, you know, we had a program. I worked with two other people and we had a program um, a while ago, years ago. And it had gone on for about, I say, 13, 14 years. And uh, we were, bringing that element in and we weren't popular because of that people wanted to be intrigued about all the the um the glitzy stuff but they didn't want to be told how that relates to them in their own personal life and how they might have to change certain belief systems actions on their own part They, they they weren't interested in that part they want just wanted to hear the fluffing stuff and not the deeper stuff but now i think the world's gotten so out of control, everybody wants to know more about the deeper stuff, who has a love for God anyway, and they're open now. Yeah. I mean, um, this is crossing dimensional uh, lines of uh, theology where the Armenians and the Calvinists are actually starting to work together. I know they are at my place where I go, and it's… it's uh, it's unbelievable. We stay focused on one thing. We leave our politics and theology at the door. We concentrate on the great commission, work together to seek out the lost and, and show them Jesus Christ. It it has its trials. It it is a challenge, but it is working. I I've, I've never seen this happen before. I've always jokingly kidded people try to needle me as uh you know, what uh what am I, you know, and, and I go, "I'm a little both and a lot of nothing."
0: It's <laughs> there we go. That's a good I, answer. Yeah.
2: I'm a batecostal Kalmanist. figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I can get along with both hands all my all my college uh Bible college was with uh the assemblies of God, which I would consider like the Iranian version of um uh, of um uh and then um uh, basically myself, though I've always been basically a five point Calvinist. Well I hope everybody's done shut you off <laughs> shut me off <up> on it. <laughs> very popular but i i see truths in both sides of the camps and if we ever can get rid of the stupid arguments between one another you know did it did did i get this shirt because i chose it or did i get this shirt because it was predestined for me you know the fact is i got a shirt you got a shirt we got the same shirt we're stuck with this shirt doesn't matter how we got it let's do what we're supposed to do with this shirt and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel And quit arguing about how we got the shirt. We're both so, you know, we're stuck in a world that isn't even real. It doesn't belong. It's not it's not permanent. It's going to waste away. Um, So were we predestined to be in this world or did we choose to be in this world? Who cares? It doesn't matter. We're here. Now, let's do what we're supposed to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Quit arguing over stupid, silly things that might mean dear to you as an individual, and you don't have to lose that or lose your identity, but open yourself up to realize that you got a piece of the puzzle, and that other person has a piece of the puzzle. And as a church, we're never going to be united and powerful until we can all put our pieces together and quit fighting over why we're different and see how we have a harmony to making a whole picture out of a puzzle. And that's what God's, you know, waiting on us for, to finally get to a point where we're going to be willing to Listen to one another to see how what we have in common as opposed to what we don't have in common. That's when the church comes into the unity. Of course, what provokes us coming into the unity um, challenges a world going out of control. Um, bad times is what brings the church together, because all of a sudden now I'm willing to uh, die for the name of Jesus Christ and follow him, and so are you, but we believe in opposite things. But I guess it doesn't matter when we're going to die for the same God, and we love him so much, we're both going to be willing to die for him. Gee, you know what? Maybe there's maybe I shouldn't be upset because you baptized in the name of Jesus, and I baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That was kind of silly to argue about that, wasn't it? Sorry about that, brother. Let's go meet the Lord together now. So, it, it takes something like that for us to be motivated to get into a sense of unity. But in my church... Sure. I've always baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name that way, and full submersion in that way. We cover all bases. You can't argue. <laughs> you haven't been baptized the right way. Who cares?
1: There you go. That's what I find uh, fascinating about, like, the, you know, the subjects like the hollow earth, and there's a lot of other ones that seem to bring people from all walks of, uh, or all different types of theology together, and it everybody's waking up to these things, you know what I mean? Oh, the, they, they can all agree and what's cool is that you find people outside of the word of God, like those who are not saved, who are into this research. And so the job of the body is to be like, okay, we agree with you. Now, here's how it connects back to the Bible. And that is, like you said, it's like, I don't want to say bait because that kind of sounds bad, but you know what I mean? It's it's something that you can connect with that unbeliever about and then show them what it says in the word of God and how the word of God is true. Like me and Brian have been doing a kick on a, the World Economic Forum and, man, like that's been a burning thing in my heart is just exposing them. And I see a lot of people in the truther community or the new age community who talks about the world economic forum quite a bit, but they never bring it back to the word of God or what it has to do with prophecy. And so that's what something me and Brian are doing and working on right now is bringing all that back. Because when you look at the world and the state of the world right now, it all goes back to the plans of agenda 2030 and the world economic forum's goals. And people need to see that because that has a big impact on, biblical prophecy in our future and if you can't bring that back to the bible then that that knowledge is in vain you know what i mean it it doesn't mean anything you just knew something else cool but how does it affect your life and your walk with god
2: see and that's where it's hard people don't want to make it personalized they want to keep it generalized you know because that means they might have to change and people don't want to change we cling you know we're, we're creatures of nature we cling to what we are used to even if it's bad because it's familiar Gosh, in marriage counseling, I've, I've done so much that that people will continually be attracted to a certain type, and the reason they're attracted to that is because their mom or dad were that way, and they they know the parameters, the levels and lengths, and, and and what they can do and can't do, so they know how to maneuver within that sphere, and so they want to cling to it, even though the mother or father might have been a drunk or a, a drug addict or uh, somebody who is uh, very ungodly and mistreated them, but they will be attracted to that because that's what they're familiar with. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of going out beyond our barriers into something new. But if you're afraid to leave the little pond to go into a uh, an ocean, how are you going to know that ocean even ever existed? There's a river connecting it. Do you want to take that little narrow path to find something even bigger and greater? Most of us don't. We have to find some source that's going to give us an inspiration that there's something better out there if you just change your ways don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again don't be like a moth going to the flame check it out and and see that there's something better by changing your habitual nature um you know, whether it be in a relationship or uh, job wise or anything you know it's you have to have a vision and a goal and you have to see a way a means of, of obtaining that if that's your passion God put God put a passion in each one of us to be a servant for him so satan his job is to sidetrack that or pervert it and go to an opposite like a same and opposite practice so a psychic actually is somebody who has a prophetic gift or an empathic gift Of understanding other people with word of knowledge or word of wisdom or whatever. So what Satan does is distort that and gives it on the other side and they become a psychic rather than uh you know an empathic uh counselor, uh somebody that's an you know supposed to edify the individual in the body of Christ and build them up. So he's a robber, comes to steal and destroy. So that's how he does it. And he's a smooth talking, you know, he's a lot smoother talking than any of us, and in our natural strength, we can't fight against him. But in Christ, we have all power and authority over him. He's a toothless tiger. The only power he has is what we allow him to have and when we are filled with with his god's spirit and his word we can shut him completely off he has no power over us. So we realize that he's a toothless tiger and uh
0: and that's a, that's a good point that you made there too because you know one brings glory to the father and one tries to bring glory to oneself so uh, yes. yep. that would fit right into the enemy's uh usual tactics right
2: exactly exactly and and i think you know it's a growing process the more you you yield to Christ and surrender to him, the more you have his mind in you, the more that your prayers are going to conform to his will. So that when you read scripture that says, ask in my name and anything will come to pass, it doesn't mean, you know, people get an idea that that means uh, there's, you know, Santa Claus Jesus up there. It just you know you can pray for anything or everything and, and you get it no in context it's giving you the formula right there in the context that when your mind is in conformity to god's mind your prayers are going to be also in conformity to his will so you'll be praying a prayer that can be answered so you're not going to be just asking for foolish things i want to live in a castle i always want to live in a castle on a lake and i want to have servants and blah 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 okay well <laughs> Yeah. separate. First off, you know, you, you go to God and say, what is your will, Lord? I, this is my desire. But nevertheless, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to have? Um, I'm content with what I have now, but I just want to be in your will, following your ways. Now, when your prayers are in that kind of a general way, you can hone it down to specifics because God's going to show you more and more of his mind. He's going to give you more and more patience to wait upon him because sometimes you don't get an instant answer. You're going to God's working on it. He's working on it to make Romans 8:28, All things work together for good to them. Love God to them or called according to his purpose. He's. He's waiting on other things and events to happen so that he can be able to give you what you want, the desires of your heart. But your heart has to be directed toward him first. Or maybe other people are going to be involved, and he has to work through them first to be able to work with you, whether it be in a relationship or uh, even ministry, you know, partnerships or whatever. Uh, it's all about God's timing too. So I mean, there's a lot of factors. So people look at these scriptures though, and they just do a surface rendering. They go. And they get this idea that, you know, of Santa Claus Jesus. And when Santa Claus Jesus doesn't come out to give them their instant needs, then they get all fed up and disgruntled with Christianity. Oh, it's just a bunch of BS. You know, I tried. You know, there is no trying. There is doing. Faith isn't trying. Faith is I'm this is what the word says. This is what I believe God told me. I'm going to stand on it. And then you gotta you gotta fight for it, because the enemy isn't going to just roll over. He's gonna come against that. He's gonna try to discourage you. He's gonna try to make it hard enough that you'll give up. It's a battle. Nobody said we're in the apocalypse right now. Nobody said this was gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. The enemy's like a caged animal that's cornered now. He's just lashing out blindly crazily at anything and everything that that uh, mentions or believes in Jesus. So we have the power to defeat him. I cheated. I read Revelation nineteen. We win, they lose, so acts and, and trust in him. So anyways, I kind of sorry, I got straight away from the um, hollow Earth thing, but it all does connect because this hollow earth thing is going to be more and more of a uh, an important key to a lot of our things that are happening. Um, and that's actually connected to CERN too. We even even mentioned CERN. my gosh, CERN is probably one of the most biggest Frankenstein. Space-time manipulators that uh, mankind could ever concoct. Well, they didn't concoct it. They actually they got inspired by fallen angels, aliens, whatever you want to call them. Um, they're the bad guys, and they've given us some pretty dangerous, awfully dangerous equipment to manipulate space-time and dimension. And yeah, the,
1: the the symbolism is pretty clear there, too. I mean, you got Shiva, the goddess of destruction. It's built on, uh, you know, the, the old, I think it's the old temple of Apollo. Yes, but is, is in that area as well, like they, they have some major influences and people need to realize that, you know, mankind does not just come up with stuff like this and, and apply it like they are. Mankind has always been influenced by spiritual beings. Always.
2: Well, you know, uh, there's three islands off of uh, Antarctica. Um, now, if I can remember them now, darn it. Um, Coronation was one. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd have to go back to my video and, and look at it. Um, the three islands—I mean, the whole world—is graphed out, name-wise, prophetically revealing different things. You know, of of that um, near Roswell, New Mexico. There's truth or some of the nearby cities, truth or consequences. It's called the Land of Enchantment. We used yeah, to go New to call it Land Trampment. Um, there's still um, is. <laughs> it still is. Yes. Um yeah that one that one I found reference to in uh Zechariah fourth fourth yeah fourth chapter and uh it says that that they were going to set the woman which is a false belief system as a uh a center focal point for everybody and that would be a point of deception and that was the 1947 Roswell crash in Roswell New Mexico which now has become a central focal point almost like a mecca for um all things UFO and alien, of course. And I lived there for four years, so it's interesting that people would come up, get off the bus, say, "Where's Area 51?" Because they're they're thinking that it, Area 51 is in Roswell. I said, "Well, it's about 980 miles northwest of here in Nevada." <laughs>
1: right. You know, what's funny is that that's another thing is you talk about the UFOs um, in 1947, and, and we did a uh, episode with William Ramsey talking about how you know the whole UFO phenomenon actually is is correlated with the occult. And um, in 1947, you had uh, JPL and um, L. Ron Hubbard doing the Babylon working at Area 51, yep. right? And they they claimed to have opened up a portal and, you know, things came through and that they could not close it. And in that same exact year or time frame, the whole UFO phenomenon blew up.
2: That's when that crash took place. And that's when we yep. uh, started becoming indoctrinated from that, also, we had the support of bringing in all the paperclip scientists working with our scientists, which completely changed our whole worldview um, on an academic level first, because all these scientists, American scientists, these guys are coming over and they're not just uh, coming over with thoughts and ideas. They're turning technology, occult-based technology, into reality, and they're re- realizing, oh, my gosh, we got to rethink everything. We're going to have to reprogram our entire people and nation to believe Uh, any superior forms of technology just because something is uh, technologically advanced and it's real doesn't mean that it's real good and it was like uh, you know they were bringing uh, spangly shiny objects with them and we just took the bait right away and and changed everything for our lust for superior technology but it was it was stuff that was forbidden by man To understand, not because God was trying to lord over us, but he was trying to protect us.
1: Right. It's dangerous.
2: You know, it it was like giving a kid a loaded gun and expecting him to do something responsible. No, he's going to either blow (laughs) his own brains out or somebody else innocently, ignorantly, because he doesn't know any better. And uh, God loves us. And it's the only reason he doesn't tell us some of these things is we couldn't handle it. Right. Uh, You know, that's why we, you know, at the fall, we lost we're only using one tenth of our brain. Well, what happened to the other uh, rest of it? Well, it's been shut off on purpose because now we're in this fallen state, and God didn't want us to just destroy ourselves. He loves us, so he had a plan of redemption that was gonna take uh, you know maybe six thousand years to complete, but he was gonna bring it back, and he did two thousand years ago, and that's the way back now, out of this reality unreality reality. Uh quantum physicists have have now determined and decided, and they're all in agreement that, oh, my gosh, we're living in a computer world. This isn't even real. It's literally a computer like game or world. Um, that's what Jesus tried to say when he was talking to even Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this um, world. If it were of my world, then would my servants come and deliver me? Well, he said world because that's all people or kingdom because that's all people could relate to. The, he, the Greek word there actually means realm. So he's saying, basically, this is not my dimension. If it was my dimension, you'd be in trouble. But I came here to change this one, to bring my people back to where they belong. First spirit and then in the flesh. So, um, wow. yeah, it's it's a whole different ballgame. When you see it in that way, quantum physics is only telling us everything that we've ever known to be true or warned about in the Bible. Yeah, so who is the god of this world, little G? Satan. This is his little virtual world. This is why he wants it to be. And you know what? In total end, he gets what he wants. Because what happens to this realm that we know of? It turns into a big mass of fire and is destroyed by fire. <laughs> it's called the lake of fire. And that's what this reality world is going to end up being. So why you build up your treasures in a lake of fire? You don't want to stay here. You don't want to belong here. You don't want to build up your treasures here because it's going to all burn up. You want to cross that bridge that Jesus made and go into the real realities and be joint heirs and co-rulers with Christ forever. That is awesome. I mean, we are so undeserving. That's how much he loved us to make us co-rulers. This is where we can already see ourselves up there. All you got to do is look in uh, Daniel, where the ancient of days, uh, where god himself has this congregation of people that are higher than angels and they're helping make decisions here on earth i told mike Kaiser that well that's us he was doing his on a divine council who was the divine council i was doing mine on parallel dimensions that this earth is actually a parallel dimension of of an earth that never fell which is heaven and earth is is this one we're in the fallen Realm, We're in enemy territory and God knows it. That's why he says not to believe anything or uh, or follow the ways of the world. I'm the path to get you back where you belong. So when we're looking in heaven and we're looking at this divine council, we're looking at ourselves. We're already there in eternity and we're the great cloud of witness. We are the ones that are helping direct the angels. It says that uh, we we will judge the angels uh, is exactly what it says. But the word judge means ma- mainly it means to dispatch. We are going to be sending them out to do God's work and, and glory and support for his people. So uh, it doesn't mean that we turn into angels when we get into heaven. It means that we are part of a divine council. We are part of what we're told we are promised joint heirs and co-rulers with Christ forever. And that's who's co-ruling is that divine council. I think it's awesome it's it's oh, yeah. an amazing thing to focus on and to realize that this is going to be forever be not deceived, for god is not mocked whatsoever man sows that also shall he reap that means forever that means it's a sweet by and by so whatever you do or don't do here is what lasts forever so you build up your treasures in heaven man you're going to be walking them streets of gold into the inner court with the lord himself there's others that got in here by the skin of their teeth they're scrubbing that gold uh floor but they're happy to be there at all because they grabbed their fire insurance and then didn't really live too much else for all the, other than building up wood, hay and stubble and that all got burnt up. So that can motivate us to endure hard times, It can motivate us to keep our, our sights on what's really important and that is building my treasures up in heaven. So um, I hope in this program, I kind of can steer some of you more solid to that. Just think and consider these things. Cause they're all biblical. They're all scriptural. Um, this world, as much as you might love it and want to see it, how beautiful. And there is beauty in it. There really is. So you can imagine if this is, there can still be beauty in what has fallen. You can imagine what heaven is, where it's perfect. And I really don't think there's going to be mosquitoes. That's part of the fall.
1: <laughs> or spiders. There'd not be spiders. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nothing's going to prey upon anybody. So, you know, it'll, it'll be pretty awesome. And he would says, you know, I, and I'm, I'm a great animal lover and I I'm a cat guy. And uh, I've, I've mourned over some of my cats, you know, in the past, I really loved them. And uh, then I got to realize if, if earth, I mean, if heaven is the earth that never fell and it's in perfect harmony and unity back in the garden of Eden, God asked Adam to name the animals and in the Hebrew, it suggests that the, what Adam did is he asked the animals what they wanted to be named. And so they told them what was relatable to their name. And so he named them in that way. So there was some form of communication. I don't know what the mechanics were on it, but it's clear that that's, that's what actually happened. So I'm thinking if heaven is like that, all my pets didn't die with any kind of sin. So I imagine they can be brought back god knows how important our animals are to us um they can be brought back and you mean to tell me i can talk to all of them (laughs) some way but that's heaven that would well yeah jim that's it that's heaven right for any animal lover now for a hunter that might put him on a guilt trip i don't know (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with hunting so don't think i'm uh you know on on some kind of other swing (laughs) i um i my one friend is i call him the great white hunter he just he goes to Wyoming every year and catches antelope, and I get to eat the jerky, and it's great. And, and uh, you know, I have I have no problem with hunting.
1: Well, on well, those I two can... sub—oh, sorry, buddy, you go on. You haven't talked in a minute. Go for it.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say I, I greatly appreciate you not only coming uh, armed with research, right, but you came ready with an answer where your hope comes from. And so that's an important part of why we invited you here, and I just appreciate uh, that as much as anything else so you know go ahead jeremy uh
1: well uh, concerning the the animals thing and what you mentioned before about the world's uh one i'm pretty sure it's in ecclesiastes it talks about that all living things or all life ha- comes from the same spirit right so um there's that so i think that tom horn and or somebody at skywatch made a book called uh do do animals go to or do pets go to heaven and it, it brought that argument where it was basically like well Animals don't really have sin, and they are all made from the same spirit that God has put in all of us, you know, uh, br- that, that breath of life. And so their conclusion was that you probably will see your, your pets or, you know, animals in heaven. But on a different note, um, you were talking about the the worlds and how uh, world meant or kingdom meant realms, right? Mm-hmm. And. A uh, scripture popped up in my head that I looked at a long time ago with Kay Carswell, and we didn't get to do anything on it, but we meant to. It was uh, Hebrews 11.3 says that through faith, we understand that the worlds, it's worlds, plural, were framed by the word of God so that which, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And I always found that to be like a mystery verse, like what does that mean? And I know that the wor- the word worlds, I guess there can mean ages, but... I think it, it doesn't, I don't think it means ages in this context. I think it means worlds, like dimensions, because right. it talks about the things that were not made are made of the things which do appear. And, and that's just deep.
2: That is deep, and there's so many ways, I, and I'll be honest with you, that's one that I, is still a mystery to myself, too. Um, I do believe, you know, that the Stones of Fire, the work of Dave Flynn, if you remember uh, some of Dave's work, he was a good friend yes. mine. And, uh, you know, he perceived the idea that the second heaven was the outer space, planets, and, and different things that we see. And I totally agree with him. And he even believed that Mars was like an outpost for the Genesis 6 fallen angels. I I tend to, you know, there's so much evidence to that being so true that um, it gives us an idea of, you know, Shemiyam. I mispronounced that, but that's the word for heaven, and that same word is used for all three different levels of heaven that the Bible teaches. There's um, the atmosphere around the earth. Uh, the God of this world is you know, in, in control of that realm. And then there's a second heaven, which is outer space, planets, and stuff like that. The third heaven is outside of space and time in an entirely different dimensional um, situation that is God's realm. Satan's been kicked out of that. He's been placed on, on the earth. It says where uh, a third of the angels were, you know, booted out. Well, the thing is, they were thrown on dry land amongst men. So this is in a very physical way, not just a willow o' the wisp spirit realm, but a very physical. Right. So we're dealing with fallen angels that are physical. Now they've found a way to make themselves look just like us. So we can't tell. We're warned in Jude. You know, they come in our midst, uh, There's spots in our feast of charity. They're twice dead, plucked up by the roots, wandering stars, clouds without water. Those are three definitions for non-human entities. And yet here they are dwelling amongst us, talking to us, Um,
1: eating and drinking.
2: Bill Gates, uh, you know, uh, George Soros, uh, all those guys and crew might not even be really human beings. We I don't really know. Uh, But it's a now that is a scary thing it scares the tar out of so many people but we're being warned that these things are reality that they're here but guess what they're powerless to us if we stand on our authority now i can tell you it's gonna and i'm risking myself on this i have come and encountered with these entities more than once three times one time they tried to take me out i'm still here i don't know where they are but they're gone i have all the power and authority over all of these entities in Jesus I just have to read the book to know my inheritance and then stand on an inheritance and take authority over them I in my own power can do nothing they could they could have just squished me like that but no I stood my ground and they are gone and I'm still here and we're going to encounter more and more like this as the day's approaching now I used to do a lot of alien abduction counseling and termination of uh of abductions but you know what They've stopped. I have not got any new cases in probably the last three years because there isn't anymore. They're done with it. They've completed everything they need to do in their genetic manipulation. Now they're ready for invasion or I will say a clandestine invasion. It won't be like necessarily like War of the Worlds or anything like that. It'll be more like, uh, oh, is that one? They live where they just come mm. yeah they come in real smooth get ingrained into our corporate structures uh military structure religious you know, systems and uh, steer us blindly towards a direction opposite from God.
0: Well, they have many Trojan horses, don't they, that we've allowed into our lives and uh, into our pockets and that we carry with us everywhere, you know, just to name one example. But yeah, no, we, uh, we definitely have given them uh, many footholds, you know, in this world, in this realm. And so uh, I think you're right. We have to stand on that promise. We have to stand on Christ alone. We have to build our house on the rock, right?
2: That's right. Exactly. Yeah, we're living in perilous times it's, and nobody said it was going to be easy to go through the Apocalypse. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard because the enemy is is uh, in a rage right now. He's going to try to bring down as many as he can, along with them. But uh, it doesn't have to be that way.
1: And and for some hope for those people who were dealing with the uh, alien abduction phenomenon, or just like alien or UFO phenomenon in general, is if you look into the work of Joe Jordan. You know, he he wasn't a Christian at first, but he was involved with MUFON, and during his field work, he realized that. He was coming across all these cases where these people who were dealing with this phenomenon and uh, were being abducted regularly or whatever uh, ended up those those experiences ended up stopping by using the name of Jesus Christ. And we know that in the Bible, God says that um, everything from principalities to, um, you know, principalities and powers are all under dominion of, of Christ. Like he has dominion over all those things. And Joe Jordan ended up becoming a Christian through that research. And He was like, well, why is nobody documenting this? And basically they told him, well, if we had documented that the only way to stop a, you know, UFO or abduction experience is by calling on the name of Jesus Christ, then we would be out of a job if everybody knew that.
2: (laughs) Kind of like the Pharisees, the same thing with Jesus. They didn't want to accept him because they would be out of a job if they uh, uh, relinquished their power to him. But, you know, uh, there was something published, though, in 1992. It was... um, the, um, pretty much the context of, uh, an MIT gathering in 1992 of all the acclaimed experts dealing with, and they were all secular at that time because there was no Christians really involved in the situation that, that early, um, but it was on, uh, the topic of alien abduction. So they had all the medical people that had encountered either trying to remove, uh, uh, Objects that were put in, foreign objects that were put into them. Um, People that had anomalous situation marks, scoop marks or whatever. Whatever the situation was, psychologists that had, you know, uh, worked with people that claimed to be uh, alien abductees. Now, many of these were not necessarily believers in UFOs or aliens, but they all had encountered different situations that they couldn't explain. So they brought in all of these people, plus all of the MUFON people, all of the... uh, Anybody and everybody that had anything to do with uh, UFOs or aliens uh, or the, the supernatural encounters that they couldn't understand what, what it was. They get a compilation. The book is about that thick. I packed it away because I'm moving, um, so I don't have anything to show. Um, and being that thick, contained in, I don't know, 500 pages, I think, with uh, something like that, uh, They record. they do record that two different things that I thought were important. They recorded that no one actually ever saw themselves leave the atmosphere going to a foreign world. And the only transitions that took place were they would either dive into an ocean and into a subterranean realm, or they would uh, go into a cave into a subterranean realm. Mm -hmm. And the subterranean realm either had like lush... uh, uh, Environment with you know tropical trees and plants and animals and everything or it was like a desert. so it was like two different areas but they went to both areas apparently and these are the things they saw. so again, it confirms this idea of a hollow earth but also they claimed that there were some that using the name of Jesus or singing a song seemed to stop the whole pro the whole process. Now, they had that actually recorded. They couldn't deny it because they had too many cases, too many uh, situations where the name of Jesus seemed to stop everything. So, this is recorded in an unbiased, just an analogy of, of data, raw data that they were compiling. And this was a the conclusion they had. It's written in such a small, obscure little way that you could skip right over it and not see it. And right but it has been recorded. It is recognized. It is there. It's something. Now, the book, I don't know if you can even find it anymore. Last I heard, it was $150. I got mine at $40 when it was still fairly new. I bought mine in 1997, so it had only been out for five or six years. Um, I don't know if you can even find a copy, but uh, I'm sure you can look it up to to find out. It's um, I can't even remember the title, but it was 1992. It was uh, a conference that was done in uh, at MIT. Um, it's a big white book, and it's got a gray alien on the on the cover, hardbound cover. Very interesting book to read.
0: No kidding. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Well, I know I've kept you uh, probably longer than we had originally agreed. This has been great. Um, but uh, uh I, th- I think we could have a, a bright future going forward you know having a lot more discussions on a lot more topics you know for sure so i I want to mostly thank you for your time and thank you for your presentation and the hope that you've shared with everyone and uh, you know you've left a lot of nice nuggets for people to sit on and think on and some scriptures to dig into and uh, and this is what it's about man this is what we invite people here to do exactly is is not only you know bring forth that research but but be prepared with the answer of where the hope comes from, and that's found in Christ alone. So uh, I just thank you for your time. Jim, Jeremy, did you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to jump in with? And then I want to give Jim a, a chance to uh, go through where people can find him, where they can support him, you know.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, thank you also for coming on here, man. It's good to have you on and and speak upon these these topics that have really, um, you know, influenced me personally. Like I said, I remember you know, first getting to know you, not getting to know you, but seeing your work through the Fall Brothers. And that had a huge impact on my life. And I'm hoping that, you know, some people who have maybe never come across this topic will be just as impacted as I was at that time. And, um, you know, I also wanted to say that if anybody has any questions about the Hollow Earth, not only to look into your research, but you can look into the news, right? There was a, just a brand new news article that came out maybe a couple of weeks ago in China. How well, like this this brand new sinkhole opened up, and it's probably like the third largest in the whole in that whole country. This sinkhole opened up, and within it, it's like I think it's 300 feet deep, and there's a whole luscious forest underneath there, and that's underneath the ground. This huge luscious forest underneath the ground. So we do have evidence. All around the earth of these things not not just the caves but look into sinkholes and especially that one in china you'll have to look it up you'll, you'll find it easy but yeah go ahead and uh, let everybody know where they can support you where they can find your research and
2: well right now probably the only way to get a hold of me would be my through my telephone number and i in the past have not answered a lot of calls that were just random calls uh too many advertisers and they found a way to you know get through um but if you call my number or my email my facebook page has been hacked i have not been able to gain uh, control back to it um this hacker is just wicked is all i can say is um uh, he's collecting money using my name uh for various projects even games he had a bitcoin game playing thing going on i can't believe it. any of my followers would uh be suckered into it but apparently some of them did uh people have been sending him a lot of sums of money i'm trying to raise enough money to gain a new place across the street and it's you know i got high expectations but the lord has told me two years ago it was going to be mine and i'm standing on that and believing it but it's a an entire block uh of the Sacred Heart Catholic Church, that's uh, probably a, a local community's uh, iconic place. It's even a historical marker, but it was almost torn down and turned into a um, uh, a storage place. So, and that's that's ridiculous. Uh, there was two action groups and the city council that was against it. They put it down, prevented it from happening, and they're going to do it again. But because uh, uh, that my Facebook page was the only way to connect other people. I had 3,700 members. Um, I was the first one of the first to get banned from YouTube. Back in 2017, I had 10,000 followers there and lost all of that. I've got my videos reposted posted on a couple of other alternate sites um, where you can go to one of them is uh, bright. Brighton, Brighton. Yeah. Um, so it is harder to find me anymore, especially since my Facebook was taken over two weeks ago, and I still have not gonna, been able to get it back. I, I did find the guy's email, so you can get a hold of me at my email. That's a witness for one. That's a w i t n e s s. The number four, the number one at aol.com. And yes, aol is still there. I've been with them. <laughs> Everybody says, "I mean, you mean, what are you doing with that?" Um, I just a uh, creature of habit, I guess. I, I got it when it first started and kept it ever since. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. My phone number is 586-265-1791. Uh, you can call me and just you know leave a text that uh, you heard me on the show. I'll call you right back as soon as I possibly can. I promise. Um, I usually won't answer at first because I'll get involved with you know sales or some other that's a distraction. I don't uh, talk and drive on the road at the same time so if you call and I don't answer it's because I was on the road but I will return a call to find out who you are and what's up. So uh, my life right now is in total upheaval. I have to move from my building because it's being sold I kind of saw that coming ahead of time, so started preparation for it. I have a museum here, and a, and that took me two weeks just to move the museum into a uh, U-Haul locker uh, with over 80-some boxes of my stuff. So, right now, this museum is no longer up, but it will be back, and bigger and better than before. So, email. Beautiful email or telephone right now is the only thing that works for me
0: gotcha well I appreciate you sharing that with everybody as well uh giving them away I know that you know I don't know how it worked out that way but I was able to get in touch with you uh you know that the one day and the very next day you were hacked and Yeah so my time and was uh, just impeccable that must have been god's hand and he wanted us to link up and i'm so glad this worked out you know aside from any of the uh, scheduling issues and all the other stuff so i appreciate your patience and you still making this happen cuz this is you you blessed us and the listeners as well sir
2: well thank you and i i think this is going to be a good program i think it's going to make a lot of connections to you know there's same people kind of cluster around different, you know, people, LA Marzulli, the Fall Brothers, uh, you know, uh, Tom Horn, uh, all of us have our little groups, but we're all the the same people, too, and they just kind of cross over and are familiar with everyone, so it'll work out. Amen. Well, thank you, sir. We uh, we
1: appreciate it again, and God bless you, and we'll be praying for your situation because we know that, man, that's tough. It's a tough situation that you're in right now with all that moving and all the stuff going on in your life. So I encourage everybody to pray for our brother, Jim here. And uh, hopefully we hear an update from you soon and that everything worked out just as planned.
2: Okay. Thank you guys for having me on. Yep. God God bless. bless. Godspeed. God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to buy their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.